welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Alex Kirby, founder and CEO of Total Family Management. Total Family Management is a company focused on family coaching and helping families through the dynamics and personalities that are in the family to create better cohesion and better family wellness and long-term satisfaction for everybody, hopefully. And with that, here's my interview with Alex. Alex, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, thanks for having me. So Alex Kirby, tell us what it is you do. Thank you for having me on. I know you're a family man yourself because we just saw your 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 son peek in yep. and get some toast. Uh, it sounds sounds like you greenlit the toast. I, I greenlit his uh, his coaching. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> TFM is a private virtual family coaching company. Most of our clients come from wealth advisors, family offices, the state attorneys. Like we'll just say broadly the wealth space, but they're paying for us directly. And we're working directly with families, mostly heads of households, but all kind of shapes and sizes. You know, we have we have single young people, we have people in committed partnerships with no kids, we have people with adult kids that are trying to manage those relationships. So it runs the gamut, but it's private virtual family coaching. Excellent. Okay. So let's talk about what that is. I mean, you know, the term coaching can explain a lot of things, but what is family coaching and why is it needed? So I can't, my background is, is consulting people development. And there's a lot of these frameworks that are used in the business world that are applicable to families. If you just think about them as teams, as soon as you make the switch to a family as a team, however you define it, you know, we have lots of mixed families and, and divorces or multiple divorces and kids and stuff. It doesn't matter. However you define a team, and then you can apply concepts to that team. So we just view a family as kind of a family without a coach. And the reason that it's important is because when push comes to shove, when you go and look at data, if you ask questions, you know, in any country that you go to, people will tell you the most important thing in their life is family. Why they're working is family. If you're, there's lots of great TED Talks on this. If your plane is going down and you survive, what do you come out thinking? I care about being a dad. Yeah. I care about my kids. I care about my legacy potentially. And this area of life is so universal. It's actually unifying as a concept. Like you could go to two countries that are fighting over everything and say, man, teenagers, huh? And they'd be like, yeah, I know. It's, you know, they're so entitled or whatever. So it's actually extremely unifying of a topic. Yeah, I'll go back to when I hear things, when one generation complains about the next one and how it's so much worse than they, when they were, I go back to that old, I'm not sure if it's true or not, famous quote by uh, Socrates about how kids these days spend too much time with their friends and uh, goofing around and not enough time studying and being diligent. It is, uh, we all like to think we were better than they were as kids. We were never better. We're, yeah. we're, all, this, we're all the same highly evolved monkeys basically behaving the same way at different points in time, right? So... All right. So basically, yes, it's a universal. It's a priority. It's absolutely something that, you know, anyone who's been a parent it will say is transformational to their lives. I get that. Now, basically, so that's that's the the general adrenaline. I think it was a parent can can basically relate to the fact that it can be a challenge 
especially once they get out of the younger stages and they, you know, opinions of their own and whatnot. So talk to me about, I guess, let's, let's look at this from, I guess, a different kind of life stages approach, right? So tell me what it's like for young families. We'll move over into families with teenagers and then adults. And then, and then when the, the, the patriarchs and matriarchs become seniors, like how does this, what are the bigger concerns? How does this evolve over time? Yeah, we have lots of different ways that we sort of like classify people but one, one super simple way is we have four areas and you can kind of think about getting sorted like Hogwarts style into your house. All right. So the first, the first group we sometimes refer to as the wonder segment or the wonder group. Wonder to us is you don't have a ton of commitment. All right. So you can still potentially be living at home. You could be living on your own. You could be married without kids, but you're moving around without a lot of commitments into us. That's a time of having a really clean slate, right? So you're thinking about, you wanna be strategic about the directions that you're going, take advantage of the fact that you have a clean slate. The next area we refer to as the balance segment, which is kind of a funny word for it. Another, another word for it is in the thick of it. And that's where you are, Jason, I know. That's where I am. It's raising young kids. It's when these, these kids are in your house and it's just an all-consuming activity. After that is harmony. We refer to it as harmony. Some people refer to it as the golden years where the kids are getting older. You have less obligations. You might have more money, more freedom. It might be a time in your life where you actually can go do some of the stuff that you want. And then the last piece is wisdom or legacy where you tend to be more reflective. You tend to be thinking about some of the more existential matters related to life. And there's, there's a million different li- ways to classify life stages there's a lot of different ways that we look at our clients. But if you look at those four segments, I think you can kind of pretty easily put yourself in one of those buckets. Excellent. Okay. So you can put those in the buckets. Let's talk about the approach, right? So sure. start off with the early stage one, like we talked about. So what are the bigger concerns or problems that arise there and how that are common? And you know, what are the methodologies or, or ways that you help coach through that? Yeah. So a couple of things that are kind of universal when we look at when we look at the families. The first one is, is you do financial planning, right? We say vision comes before planning. Okay. And the definition of vision for us is purpose plus values plus goals. And that is applicable across our entire client segment. So when we're talking about vision, it doesn't matter if you're a young person or it doesn't matter if you're you're in one of those later phases. If you don't feel good, if you don't have a vision clarified, you're going to be unsure about your general direction. Okay. And I think another thing that's very confusing for people is goals get substituted as vision. So some people will say, oh, my vision is retirement or my vision is to get the kids out of the house. No, that's, 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 that is a goal, but you that's don't know goal. What it's like, what are you going to do with your time at the end of that? And then this that's is right. Again, day job as a financial planner, where I always I always joke that there's two there's two there's two retirement plans. One is how I'm going to financially get there, get you there, and two, what is it you're going to do with all that time, and, and where's your identity, sense of identity, going to come from? Because you're going to lose some of that when you basically retire. Yep, that's right. So for those people in the younger phase, they tend to have a feeling they almost have so many options. If you can, it's almost it's very very hard to do. But if you can go back to what it was like when you were 23, 24 years old, maybe you grew up and you knew from the time that you were nine that you wanted to be a financial planner and a podcast host. But that's not everyone. Quite, not quite, but close. Maybe a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like having this, having someone to talk to 
about where you're trying to go, what your goals might be, what your values are, is really helpful for, for people at a young phase. If we have people in committed relationships, that's also a time where they're like unifying their goals and unifying their values. As a, yeah, hopefully. Well, it doesn't have to be, you know, I think one of the things with us is our conversations are extremely energizing. You know, there's so much positivity to build on. It doesn't have to be a push and pull or, or this isn't fun. Our clients leave our calls with energy to go do whatever we're talking about. It's, it's not an, ever intended to be like, the values conversation specifically is always positive. It's always right. positive. Excellent. Okay, so that's the early stage ones. Let's talk about later stages. Maybe you can pick wherever you want to go, whether it's like kids as teenagers or kids when they're basically out there forging their own identity. And that parent was now an empty nester. And maybe I think I've seen from experience how empty nesting can, especially if there's a stay-at-home parent, really mess with their sense of purpose and the dynamics. So talk to me about the, the challenges and coaching techniques around that. Yeah, so the, well, we can just take all three of them because they're, they're all applicable. So when you have the kids in the house, yeah. you know, one of the things that parents are constantly talking about is I want my kids to be blank, hardworking, not entitled. I want them to be self-sufficient, right? And so we have an example of one of the workshops where we talk about this is we have a workshop called Each of My Kids, All of My Kids, where you talk about the skills, the experiences, and the attitudes that you want each of your kids to have while you have time to instill some of that, right? When they're really young, you can't really instill anything. Once they have tons of friends and they're sort of like in the teenage age, you kind of lost them, but not entirely, but it's helpful for parents to talk about, Hey, what gets through to this kid, right? How do they like to be talked to? That's different for almost every kid. What are they driving towards? We, are we like in tune with what their goals are, what's important to them? And then even just some like nuts and bolts stuff, like what do we want them to be able to do when they leave the house, right? Do have we ever taught them to change a tire or balance a checkbook or do they know what an HVAC system looks like? Or do they know how an airport works, right? Can they walk into an airport and like get where they're going? These are fun things that when you talk to parents about it, when they have the time in that phase, they're like, they might come up with 50 things. They're like, all right, but we got 10 years. So this is sort of a fun little like bingo game we can play. So next time you, we just made this, we just made this joke with the family, but like next time your tire blows out on the road trip, instead of being like really ticked off, you're going to be like, this guy's is so exciting. Like we can all learn how to change a tire. And it's just like a different framing for some of the stuff that people tell us are, uh, our struggles for them. So that's basically a hard time thinking about a reframe of blown tires that, but, but yeah, it's, it's, as you say that I think back to any number of like anecdotal stories or even things on the news where or one situation in the news where they asked the woman how often she changes her furnace filter. And she's like, I have to change a filter. And of course they yeah. go down like caked with black. And so it's, yeah, it's these life is hard. And there's lots of little small things that we take for granted that we figured out or were told that basic ways of living that yeah, I'm not even thinking about teaching my kids about. So it makes, yep. it makes a lot of sense that we frame that. And because again, at the end of the day, what we really want is functional human beings. Right? That's, what, yeah. that's what we're really looking for. And honestly, just the fact that like our parents are in there talking about it, that means they're going to have success with it. Yeah. If you have, if you have enough, if you're taking the time to talk about your kids in this way, that means one thing that you really care. And that that's a huge factor in like getting reasonable human beings out of your house. The third phase, so you talk about the empty nesters, 
One of our workshops is about roles. So we use roles to talk about some of the changes that you're talking about. And so roles, one, one way to think about it is, you know, top roles commonly are parent, spouse, very common. But then you get into your role as a professional or a sibling or whatever. What happens in retirement, as you know, is there's a huge void that happens when you go from spending 60 hours a week being a partner in a law firm to now you're just home, right? But roles is a way to look at that problem and kind of preemptively be like, hey, I'm talking about retiring in a couple of years. And I'm wondering like what, how I'm going to use this 250 hours a month that I used to be doing lawyer stuff. Another kind of way to think about roles in this phase is a lot of our clients become grandparents in this phase. So grandparent was a non-existent role. And many times it jumps to one or two for those, those parents. So roles are a way to think about those problems preemptively. But we also find that there's a lack of resources in what we call the long phase of parenting. There's lots of talk about how to keep your kids alive when they're infants and how to make sure they're not spoiled and how to do all this different stuff. But when they get to be adults, they're still your kids and they're still your kids for a lot of years. Yeah. So how, how can you have a healthy, normal relationship with your kids where you you're, you're way less of a parent and you're way more of, man, I just want this person in my life and I want to have a great relationship with them. That's like super healthy. How do we do that over a long period of time? Yeah, I'm going to come back to that point after. I want to finish our kind of evolution of this. And let's go to that kind of late stage. So we have people in their la in later stages of life, way fewer days ahead of them than before. Uh, they've been retired for several years. Or, you know, let's, or, or like, we'll come back to, there's something else I want to come back to on succession planning, but we'll come back to, uh, you know, they're, they've been, they're retired for several years. What are the kind of conflicts there? Because I mean, now it's, you know, we, guys like me are encouraging them to have conversations about their estates and what happens next. How it is, and that leads to a lot of family turmoil. So talk to me about the tactics and how that stage differs. I think a lot of people struggle to communicate in this phase of, of their life. You know, I'm thinking about our older clients. This could be stuff related to medical. It could be money or estate, as you talk about. You know, these are tough topics to work on, right? You don't just at Thanksgiving, it's not something that comes up like, hey, if I ever have a terminal illness, here's how I'd like you to play it. Can you pass the, the turkey or whatever? So you have to kind of build up the muscle memory over time to get people having these conversations. And one of the ways we found to do that is to start with much lighter topics, just to sort of work our way up. If you think about like the estate stuff, Jason, that's, that's the heaviest weight in the gym. So if yeah. you just walk in, you're like, where's the heaviest, what's the hardest thing to lift in this entire gym? I'd like to start there. We, there's much easier places to start that people really care about. And when you think about legacy, it isn't just the money. Some things that we've, we found a lot of families get, get value out of is we have a workshop called Favorite Things. And in Favorite Things, we had heard from uh, clients who had lost people. They're like, man, I just wish I knew my dad's like favorite movie. I wish yeah. I knew the books that he liked. I wish I knew his favorite city that he ever traveled to in the world. And topics like this get like kind of the momentum going so that you can work your way up to those harder conversations around legacy, improving communication, all that kind of stuff. Because if you can't talk about your favorite movie, talking about your estate plan and your, your trust structure is going to be a pretty heavy lift. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've been thinking in my life about like, 
I mean, sure, everybody's had it with their parents where suddenly the parent tells this story later on in life and you're like, what? What, what do you mean you did that during your life? 100%. Right? Yeah. 100%. I mean, or, and sometimes it's like related to medical stuff, which is funny because like, I mean, I remember one time my, my father, you know, he had when I was first born and he was running a business, he had a, it was a very stressful time. He ended up with a short, a short period of Bell's palsy where half his face froze. And this is all stress induced. I'm just looking, I'm like, you know how stressful my job is. Like, you never told me that this is something that's potentially going to happen. Like, come on. Right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So let's talk about, oh, we've, we've gone through all those stages. And yeah, so I guess you're, you're absolutely right. You know, just hitting them with the, here's the final stage stuff before we kind of have that better family dynamic around open conversations is probably not the best path to success. And I think, you know, it's funny because we often detect in that conversation that there are issues, right? And if they're, and, and sometimes they won't even have the conversation because of the issues that exist, right? So, you know, you're either a mechanism for getting, get for getting to that point where they can do that. So I guess that that brings up a, a question about when I was going to come back to you later, but we'll bring it up now. When do you typically get retained? Is it because there's a pre-existing issue? Is it like, I know you get a lot of referrals from financial advisors and whatnot, but like, what is the impetus for your hiring? Yeah, I, I don't think we totally know just yet. I think many times when people hear family coaching, they're like, oh, I got this family that's super messed up. You should talk to them, right? That's like, that's like what people, because they're thinking of it through the therapy line. But in actuality, it's way more like personal training. So if there's a family that just is one into this type of personal growth stuff that is really healthy, that really cares about each other, we're a mechanism to help them stay that way. And many of our wealth advisor clients have had, because the marketing is very confusing in the wealth space, right? Like people, a lot of firms say, we help clients with values and we help them with vision and we, we do all these things. And when push comes to shove, you're like, well, how do you do that? They're like, well, we don't totally do it. So fam- people are looking for this. So most of the time, the first clients that we get from a wealth advisor is someone that's saying, hey, do you have anything in the non-financial domain? We're really looking to improve our communication. We really want to make sure we're on the same page with our adult kids. We really want to we just raised these kids. Now they're 14 years old. We feel like we're disconnected. Does your group help with any of that? And that's where we kind of get brought in. Yeah. Uh, but we don't totally know like what makes someone say yes, that we're in. We're trying to lower the barriers. Uh, one of the ways that we do that is if you go through three workshops with us and you don't like it, just tell us and we'll give you your money back. Our first year is eight workshops. We A lot of times one spouse kind of wants to do it more than the other one, right? It's like, come on, like, can we just let them like, I don't know, it sounds dumb or whatever. They get in there, they feel a little bit of that connection in the first session. By the second session, they're really bought in and they trust their coach. And by the third session, they're usually all in and telling other people in their family or their neighbors, hey, this is really, really cool and helpful for us. Yeah, excellent. So, I mean, you're... Bottom line is, is that it's, I guess there's going to be just like anything else, people proactive versus react, right? People will get away for the problem versus people are like, you know what? I think this is valuable. I'm going to take it now. So yeah, it's, uh, we're definitely not diagnosing. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like the, 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 one of the main things that, that delineates us from therapy is therapy has a treatment plan. They're diagnosing and they're looking for a treatment plan. We're not diagnosing at all. Our main thing with a family is helping them uncover vision and success. It's like, do you know what your family vision is? Most families do not. Let's start there. And it's a really healthy conversation and everything kind of branches from there. Excellent. So 
that's the, uh, let's move back to some of the questions we basically, or some of the things I want to touch upon that came up earlier. So let's turn back to something that occurred to me now, and this came from conversations with others. I mean, at the end of the day, we all are, you know, we all get raised and we all come up with our own baggage and our own examples of how to be a parent, right? And that's good and bad. And, you know, the, the average parent does not read a parenting book and is kind of figure out on the, on the fly, not to say parenting books are all right. I'm sure that when people come to you, the parents have their own baggage about how they relate or don't relate well to their kids. How much of that, how much of your time is spent kind of like unpacking that and kind of like hopefully like nudging or course correcting it as something basically maybe they didn't even realize it was a problem, right? How much of that is just basically is you fixing the adult versus fixing the child to some degree? And maybe fixing is the wrong term for it. Yeah, it's definitely not fixing. Yeah, you no. know, we, we're not trying to fix anyone. We, our coaches talk for 20% on average of the workshops. So if you if you kind of think about what that means, it really just means we're setting the stage, asking a question, and it's it's kind of taking off from there. A way to think about this for the parents is you have all of the answers that we to the questions we're going to ask you. You may have just not answered them before, right? We're creating a space to talk about some of this stuff. There was a study that they did in Freakonomics is on their Freakonomics podcast. And mm-hmm. the actual, the predict, did you see this? The predictor of if you were going to be like a quote unquote successful parent was not which book you read, but just the fact that you read one, just the fact that you, you actually cared yeah. enough to do it and open the book. And I would say that that's the same, the same thing is true of our families. If you care enough to show up and sit on a call and talk about your kids, that's like, that's 90% of the battle. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's a known phenomenon. It's, it's the known of phenomenon of like expressed intent versus demonstrated intent. Right. And we can all say we want to quit smoking, lose weight, basically be better parents, make more money, do all these things. We can all say that because talk is super cheap at zero. Right. But the actual act of investing your time in something shows a commitment and basically it's funny because in a lot of ways, these programs or books or whatever are self-selecting, right? Yeah. Because I'm sure and you're self-selecting in a lot of ways, right? People who come to you are eager to have a healthy, a healthy relationship or of course, correct a relationship versus those who don't. So I'm sure your success rate, while I'm sure is wonderful, is not representative of the success rate if you took on everybody in the world, because everybody in the world wouldn't have the desire to do it. So, so yeah, it's, it's a tough one. There's, a, there's an autonomy component, right? Like we, yeah. you, you, I can't make you talk about your family values. No, right. Absolutely. So you got to show up, you got to do it. I do think we do a nice job of winning. Everyone comes in skeptical. No, no one's like family coaching makes a hundred percent sense to me. I can't wait to jump on and talk to a stranger with my wife, even though I'm busy all the time and blah, blah, blah. But it's really the ROI on the time. When people leave the workshop, the number one thing we hear is that was an amazing use of our time. They do not regret the time they spend in workshop because it's time spent being a little bit more focused on the area of life that they they blatantly care about more than any other area. So it's really just a healthy kind of experience. And, and yeah, it, it's, it demonstrates a level of intent. But I don't think it skews our results too much anyway. Fair enough. So one question I want to turn to, I want to turn the entire focus now to the core of the, of the podcast, which is business owners, right? So let's talk about business owners. I mean, when we're talking about business owners, usually, it's not specifically about the wealth, but it's usually about the succession issues around the family, right? So one kid's involved in the business, all the kids are involved in the business. You know, there's always a dichotomy between if it's not 100% of them, there's going to be problems. If it's 100% of them, there's going to be problems. So 
I'm sure that that has to add enormous amount of complexity and new areas for conflict that basically are not present in families that don't have businesses. Can you speak to your experience there? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you, again, just move this lens back over to the business, you know, for these business owners, have they done vision and values and strategic work on their own business, right? If they have, then they probably saw the value of that activity. So now we're just moving it over to a slightly different entity and the people are changing, right? That's why it needs to be done as a kind of a separate exercise. If the some, if one of the parents is involved in the business and a couple of the kids, then you're missing perspectives, right? Like if the mom or the dad is not involved in the business, but they are running the show on the family side, you're missing a perspective. So that's why you want to do the exercise slightly differently. Then when you take the concept of, of vision, which again is purpose, values, and goals, we want to start with that head of household, that patriarch and matriarch, the decision maker, whoever's running the business, many times are the owner of the business and they're like own 100% of it. We want to do that exercise with them and their spouse because mm -hmm. they talk to us. We hear from business owners, I want to pass on values to my kids, right? Which we hear all the time. So our next question is, do you know what your values are? And they don't always know what their values are. So going through the exercise for that kind of patriarch and matriarch, that's the example for the next layer down to say, hey, we did this. Now we want you to do it. And we're going to have this common language that we can talk about a bunch of different things, both in the personal life and the business. I think they do need to be separate, though. Excellent. I don't know if I don't know if that answered your question. No, I think I think it's you're, you know, you're defining boundaries, right? And this is the problem, right? I often say when I'm talking about wills or or businesses, and people are like, oh, you know, my kids can figure out how to do that. And it's like, are these the same kids that you had to break up and fights continuously while you were while they were kids, right? right? And then like, especially when the kids start coming into a business, right, at the same time, and they're adult, it's like these are kids who were on top of each other their entire early lives went their separate ways, became and grew as individual adults, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're putting them back into a situation where they got to coexist. Yeah. And two things, A, for well, a couple of three things, really. A, they haven't done that in a long time. So God knows if they're gonna be able to do it. B, there's baggage between those two. Even if they love each other, there's baggage, right? And then C, there's also this sense of, and then we'll come back to this entire thing, which is a big issue in succession, is the sense of entitlement, right? Mm -hmm. They're whether it be seeing yourself as the firstborn and therefore you should have more, you know, more of a say, whether it be you worked in the business longer, you did the bill, like, or it comes up all the time. You know, one, one kid works in the business, therefore they think that the other kids shouldn't get the same proportional share of the estate or one care, one kid helped take care of the parent more than the other one. And therefore that she can get a proportional share of the estate, right? The family dynamics will eventually turn at that stage into money dynamics. And that yeah. is that can lead to, that just basically turns the conflict out to 11, right? So, you know, keeping them separate, that's got to be quite the challenge, though. I love boundaries as just a way to talk about it. So if we go back to that definition of vision for a second, which is purpose, values, goals, we hear one, that people want to pass on values. We hear this all the time. I actually don't believe values get passed on. I think people decide their own values. Yeah. And then I think they combine them with their spouse, if applicable. And then they come up with values for their specific household. For example, my values for my family, my household are not the same as my two sisters, right? We have different ones. And if someone told us we had to have the same, it probably wouldn't work, right? They married different people, all those things. So I actually don't think values need to get passed. Goals, 
Also, people are going to have different goals. It, you talked about one person in the business, out of the business, worked in it longer, different life stages, et cetera. So they're going to have different goals. But purpose, I actually think purpose is an underutilized way to create unity in a family. Purpose to us is North Star. It's like 100 years, right? And it has flexibility in it. So an example of a purpose statement that we loved from a family was work hard with a kind heart, okay? That is a, that's not something that you achieve. That's something that you look out to. It's aspirational. And all the kids can fulfill that purpose in their own unique way while having their own values and having their own goals, but using purpose as a way to unify and purpose as a way to potentially, you know, when you start talking about passing on that business asset or passing on chunks of money or things like that, purpose is a way to unify instead of trying to unify goals and values, which I think a lot of times are a lot harder. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about what it means to get involved with you, right? I'm going to go back and say, what are the first steps in onboarding with you and going through this experience with you? Yeah. And I know you want to ask about entitlement too. So we can go. Oh, yeah, we'll, come go. To, we'll come okay. back and do that. No, let's do that now. Okay. No. So we're here. So entitlement, right? Well, we'll pick this out right now. So the entitlement issue, and uh, you know, I kind of joked that, and I've unfortunately seen this countless times in my practice where, and actually this was, this is another uh, story. I was talking to someone who helps with succession planning and they have a succession plan in the advisory space blowing up right now because the kid feels entitled to basically have the business handed to them, right? And not have to pay for it. And it's like, I always say, I joke around that my kids are going to grow up knowing that they're entitled to nothing. And that if I choose to leave anything to them, that is my choice. And it is a choice that's going to be made based off of my, how I feel about what they've done, right? And, and whether or not they are deserving. Now, that's not to be mean or cruel. It's just to say that I think the alternative of you're going to get everything just plays with people's heads, man. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, tell me your, your viewpoint on this and how you help cope with it. Did you grow up in a, a slightly worse situation than your kids grew up in? Uh, it was good to you know, like all families, good and bad. I think economically, yes, I will say that. Yeah, we hear, you know, we hear, it's funny, like, if you're a first-gen immigrant. Second come, generation. No, so first okay. generation born here, by, so my parents were both immigrants, yeah. Okay, all right. So your parents definitely thought that you were entitled, right? Yeah. Because they maybe came over, they had to go through all this stuff. They're in like a one-bedroom apartment. Now you're in a two-bedroom apartment. And they're like, I can't believe Jason's growing up in this two-bedroom apartment. He doesn't really know what it's like. That same feeling, I think, is true of like Sam Walton and his kids. Even though he's talking about billions of dollars, they're still having that same feeling. So I think just like this feeling of wanting our offspring to be like normal, respectable, healthy, loving, kind people, whatever we define it, is just like a natural feeling that that we have. But entitlement is a constant, we call them constant work problems. All right. So, so like, if you think about, if I said to you and to your listeners, oh, we have an entitlement workshop, 30 minutes, we'll get your kids unentitled. Like, just come on in, sign up. It's three easy payments, right? right. No one's buying that. Right. So, so entitlement communication, these types of problems, I think are ones that we want to break out into little pieces and work on over a really long period of time. Just like if you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to get healthy or do whatever, you want to look back and be like, man, when we started this journey, we really felt like this person like didn't appreciate everything that was coming their way. And now we feel like they have a whole new, after five, six years, they have this whole new way of looking at it, but it just happens slowly over time with like a really smart long-term strategy that involves being able to communicate about this stuff openly. You know, an option to start the conversation is to actually talk to your kids about the fact that you feel like 
they're a little bit entitled, right? That's a way to just open the conversation up. And it's not one that you're going to fix right there because it's not like they're going to sit like, be like, oh yeah, I am entitled. And now I will change my ways, right? Like it's, it's a slow journey of a constant work problem. Yeah. So let's go back to the entire engagement. You know, when they start engaging with you, what are the steps and the process they go through to kind of like get entrenched and start really kind of making the most of, of the, their time with you? Yeah, it's, it's very, very easy. Our site is totalfamily.io. You go right to the page, you sign up. We're extremely transparent on everything we do. The first year with a family is $24.95. That's eight workshops and access to our technology. Some advisors do pay for that for their clients. I'd say that's that's on the rarer side. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably like 10% of advisors, most of the time, they're bringing us in as a resource. The client's paying. After you pay, uh, depending on like your availability preferences, you get assigned a coach. Right inside our platform, you schedule your first session. Uh, usually people are scheduling out like a couple of weeks, depending on their schedules and stuff like that. We'll do eight sessions in that first year. And then after that, they're staying in our software and they just go kind of ad hoc on the workshops. You can buy them uh, one at a time or four at a time. So it's very common for families to do our first foundational year and then go quarterly after that. Sometimes families will just have more going on or they'll be busy or et cetera. And they'll just maybe schedule them one at a time. But just like a personal trainer or like a gym or whatever, it's okay to stop six months and come back. You know, these are really big, important problems. So you should work on them when you have energy. And not everyone wants to do this type of work every single year. So we try to just say, come in, do the foundational year, then over time, create a pace that is going to resonate with your family, because you're really not going to regret these types of conversations, whether you do one, two, three, or eight a year, but super easy. And and everything's backed by our brand promise. If you sign up and don't like it after your workshop, we give you your money back. We believe in our experience and, and what we're trying to do as a company. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Alex. Greatly appreciate it. It was great learning about this. And I hope, you know, you're, I think you're, what you're doing is a wonderful resources for, for doing this. Because honestly, when you think about all the time we spent organizing and working on and bettering and taking classes on different things, the fact we don't do it with the people that matter most to us and make sure that we're having healthy relationships with them all, it's, it's a miss, right? <laughs> it's a definite miss. So glad to see that you're doing what you're doing. Where can people find you? Totalfamily.io is the simplest way. Then you can see our social pages and and stuff like that. We go on a lot of podcasts. We have an awesome executive team and really great coaches all around the country. So I think we're pretty easy to find. And I think you'll find that the company itself is extremely authentic. I go through this stuff. All of our, everyone in our company goes through our stuff. So we're, at, we're not walking around saying, Jason, your, your family needs values, but we don't. And I think you'll feel that in, in working with us. Excellent. Thank you so much, Alex. Appreciate it. So that was this week's episode of Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you are hearing this and it's resonating with either you or your needs of your clients, I sincerely hope you reach out to Alex. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever's your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you. 